Our sermon text is Psalm 66, and if you're using one of those black pew Bibles, that can be found on page 450. Psalm 66. I think it's a perfect psalm for New Year's Day, January 1, 2023. Why? Well, because New Year's is a great time to look backwards at what God has done and on the basis of what he has done, commit ourselves wholeheartedly to self-sacrificial worship. And in a nutshell, that's Psalm 66. A looking back at all that God has done and a commitment to self-sacrificial wholehearted worship. Or to put it in my big idea way, Psalm 66 teaches us that even though everyone worships God for his wondrous works, this psalm gives us the way to wholehearted worship. That's the big idea. Everyone will worship God because of his wondrous works. Everyone. So let's learn from Psalm 66 how to wholeheartedly, self-sacrificially worship the Lord. Let's start by reading the text. To the choir master, a song, a psalm. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name, Selah. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Selah. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip? For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals. With the smoke of the sacrifice of rams, I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Selah. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. And thus ends the reading of God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And my prayer 
is that he would write this truth on our hearts, namely the truth that even though everyone worships God for his wondrous works, this psalm teaches us the wholehearted way to worship him. Let's break this down into its three parts. First, I'm making the claim based on Psalm 66, everyone worships God. This is clear in verses 1 through 4, but then there is a pattern of going from universal praise to corporate praise of God's people to personal individual praise. I wonder if you noticed that. Let's just walk through it and first answer the question, who is worshiping God in Psalm 66? And the answer is everyone, but we move from everyone universally, all the earth, as you see in verses 1 through 4, shouting for joy, giving glory to his name. But then especially notice verse 3, everyone includes even God's enemies. He is so great and his power is so amazing that even your enemies cringe. Now, I really don't like this translation, cringe. The Hebrew word is submit. And the reason I don't like this, because I cringe when I hear cringe, like a chalkboard and nails coming down on a chalkboard. That is what I picture when I think of cringe, but the word here is that they submit to, and the reason it's been translated this way, and some other translations will choose the word fake submission, like fake worship, it means that they're not doing it with their whole heart, which is the contrast that I'm setting up in the big idea. Ah, the way to worship is with your whole heart. But God's enemies, they will worship, but they will do it begrudgingly. Or to put it in the language of the New Testament, one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and worship the risen, ascended Lord, who is none other than Jesus Christ. Everyone, even the enemies. This is a bold claim, isn't it? God is worthy of universal praise. But then notice the movement in the psalm in verses 5 to 12. And all you need to do just for this basic observation is in your mind or with your pencil, circle the corporate language of our or us. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. And then look at verse 6. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations and let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Repeatedly throughout this next session from verse 5 to 12, the Exodus story is evoked. It is brought to mind. God saved us in the past. He brought us through the water with dry ground. And so that past deliverance is leading the people to praise. And so praise moves from universal, even including God's enemies, to corporate praise of God's people. And then hopefully the shift was obvious in verse 13 to the end. There's at least a dozen or more times that the first person singular I or my are used throughout verses 13 and 20. I come into your house with a burnt offering. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered. So who worships God in Psalm 66? What's the first part of our big idea? Everyone worships God. Enemies, God's people, how about you? Do you know that you will worship God? 
part of the point of church and you coming and seeing all that God has done in his word is so that you would worship him rightly. Don't be like these enemies who are worshiping and submitting themselves to him with a fake obedience, a feigned submission. We're supposed to learn from this psalm how to worship, but first it tells us everyone will. Everyone will worship God. Why? Second point. Everyone worships God because of or for his wondrous works. Isn't that really obvious in our psalm? The reasons that just get laid on top of each other in these 20 verses. Verse 3, because of his awesome deeds. And awesome here is awestruck. It's the same word used later to talk about those who fear God. It means that he is fearsome in his deeds. Fierce, terrible, the old translation says. How terrible are your works? But not terrible is bad terrible, as in, wow, the works of God's great power. Verse 4, we worship him for who he is. Do you worship God just because he is? Verse 5, because of what God has done and how awesome his deeds are, not just generally, but towards his people. And specifically, verse 6 talks, as we referenced, the saving that he did to his people out of Egypt, through the water, up the mountain, to the holy place of worship in the heavens. God saves his people. And therefore, he rules over the nations, verse says. Therefore, worship him because he is the only one worthy of worship. Every tribe, tongue, and language and nation will submit and bow to him. So there is no point in exalting yourself before the worthy worship that is deserving of this God. And then in verses 9 to 12, notice that he is given praise because of the way he preserves his people through the purification of the testing the refining fire, the silver that is put under the test, tried, brought into a net, crushing burdens on our back. You let men ride over our heads, but we went through the fire and through the water and you brought us out to a place of abundance. They're praising God because of his faithfulness during hard, difficult trials. Verse 14, notice the reason for praise. Because of deliverance from trouble, my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. And therefore, he makes his vows and his offerings, thanking God. You delivered me. I was in a tough spot. I asked for your deliverance, and then you saved. Notice the way verse 16 says that the praise is because of the personal way God has heard prayer and ministered to the psalmist's soul. God answers prayer and does not remove his steadfast love. He hears our prayers. And that's just a quick summary of why the psalmist praises. Everyone will worship God, but why? For all of these reasons, his wondrous works, his mighty deeds, because he's fearsome, because of just who he is, his name, because of his salvation, by delivering his people, the way that he walks with you through the fire and brings you out to the other side. On and on this psalm goes, giving you reason after reason for praise. So it's New Year's Day, January 1. What a great time to pause and ask you, 
what are the reasons why you should worship God as you look back over just one calendar year? Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe part of the everyone includes even non-Christians, whether they're hearing this online, they're in this room, or somebody outside of this building. They will praise him, and they should now. If you're here today and you're not a Christian and you're visiting us, we're, we're glad you're here. This is a Christian gathering. But we want to be welcoming and invite all of you into the great worship and praise of God. And we believe that you should start acknowledging and thanking God now for all that he's done, even just this last year. Notice the way our psalm talks about God's sustaining life. We should praise God, as verse 9 says, he keeps our soul among the living. Are you alive? Then praise him for it. Thank him every day that you had breath in your lungs. So then pour out your praise. It's his breath that he gave you in the first place. How many of us just broadly and generally were worried when there was a war that broke out? How many of you have been worried when you saw prices skyrocket? How many of you have wondered whether or not disaster was looming around the corner? And here you are, January 1st, 2023. Seriously, broadly speaking, Lots of people on this earth have wondered, I don't know what's going to happen next month, next week, whether it's because of global things or personal reasons. And if you're here today, then pour out your praise. Thank him for life, just the common grace that you exist, that your heart beats. Embassy Church, I think we should especially look back at 2022 and praise God for what he has done. We still exist as a church, first and foremost. Let's just thank God. Here we are, January 1st, it's New Year's Day, and you all didn't sleep in. Praise God. Now you can fall asleep in this sermon, that's okay. But we're here. We're still existing, giving praise to God week after week after week. Whether it is Christmas Day, you all show up. Whether it's New Year's Day, you keep coming. I'm not forcing you necessarily to do this. You want to because of what God has done. Embassy, we're a church, praise God. We're a church that had three months of letting your pastor go away on sabbatical this year. And I heard rumors that some of us were worried we wouldn't be a church after sabbatical. That the whole church would fall apart. That everything would go to ruins. Here we are. The summer came and went. I don't think we just survived. It sounds as if God's word faithfully preached the leadership and the elders of embassy serving and the members stepping up. Wholehearted, self-sacrificial worship over the summer is why embassy exists. The presence of God through the power of the spirit on display. Have you thanked him for it this year? I think we should. It's a fitting reminder today here on January 1st. God was good to Embassy Church in 2022. There's a lot of different things that we could measure. And the easiest ones are oftentimes measuring how many people there are, how many dollars. And those things are good. And in this case, for whatever reason, 2022, after a pandemic, after a, a sabbatical, we finished the year with the highest amount of money and the most number of members we've ever had in the history of our church. Praise God. That's one measure of just God's kindness and his grace. And I don't know if you even knew that that existed, but there is a membership role and we have never had as many members as we do right now, nor the amount of dollars that you all have given. I think these are just evidences of God at work in his church, 
even during the three-month sabbatical year. So, Embassy, I would encourage you collectively, corporately, pour out your praise to the God who cares for you, who does not remove his steadfast love, who hears your prayers, corporate prayers that have been prayed week after week in these gatherings, he has delivered. I wonder if you have made a habit of not just asking God for things, but pausing and looking back and seeing how he has answered your prayers, our prayers. Very personally, this psalm from the psalmist turns from wide universal to corporate to now personal. It's very easy. Just the other day, Kenny and Jenny were over. We were spending some time together in my home, and they asked, Phil and Christine, what are you thankful for when you look back at 2022? And I know I've already said this to all of you, but first and foremost, I'm alive! I had a blood clot on Good Friday all through my shoulder. I missed Easter worship. I mean, I didn't really sit there in the hospital bed thinking I was going to die, but you never know. Blood clots aren't cool. I'm alive. What a time of testing, of going through the fire, of having the overwhelming waters. And oh, 2022 for me personally was a time of testing. But my soul is among the land of the living. And he did not let my foot slip both into the grave or into the gutter of sin. I'm still your pastor, and I praise God that I can serve you as I look back on 2022. So I ask you to do what I just did, just for a brief moment. Pause and reflect. What are a few couple things that come out in your personal life that you can say, God, you have done wondrous things this last year, and I want to praise you for them. This would be an appropriate start to the way of worship. But we're not just left with that simple instruction. Even though everyone worships God for his wondrous work, Psalm 66, it teaches us, it instructs us the wholehearted way to self-sacrificial worship. The third and final point of our psalm, the way to wholehearted worship. Do you see it in verses one through four? Singing, singing loudly, singing joyfully, singing about God. God, God-centered singing is the first way that the psalmist worships. The enemies of God fake it. Maybe we could think in our modern context, there are people that worship God, but they're putting on a show. It's not for God. It's for the praise of man. And busy church, if we want to have appropriate, biblical, God-centered worship, we should be reminded that in our American modern church context, singing can too often be a show. It can be a fake demonstration of praise instead of wholehearted, true, genuine praise. We do not come to church to sing as performances. We come to church to sing to conform to the image and the glory of Jesus Christ. Do you see the difference between those two? This is one of the most insightful comments that I got from reading Carl Truman's excellent book about the rise and triumph of the modern self. The modern self, the average person in the room today, is being bombarded with messages of you should go out there and perform. And we hate the idea of conforming to institutions, to commandments, to covenants. But that's exactly what a church is. It's a place for you to come in and see what God has done so that your heart gets conformed and that you sing, not just a little bit, but loudly. 
loudly, the psalmist says. In fact, Psalm 65 ends with shouts, and Psalm 66 begins with more shouts. And if you've been tracking along in our sermon series, this has not been typical in book two. Book two has been down and depressing and heavy. And finally, we get just some jubilant, exuberant praise. So first, Psalm 66 begins and teaches us about how God-centered worship transforms hearts for loud, joyful singing. Let's stay committed to singing as a church. We added for the first time in a long time, a fifth song in our worship service. So we're doing more singing in 2023, Lord willing, than we've been doing the last two years. And I hope that that excites you to want to come back to worship and be conformed by gospel-rich, God-centered songs. For many years, I've thought that the modern contemporary Christian music scene has been moving in the wrong direction. And so we have a program at the church called the CCLI Christian rights for whatever, you know, song lyrics and whatever. So they have a list every year. And because it's the end of the year, I was like, oh, I wonder what the top 100 songs were. And honestly, I was really kind of impressed. The top 100 songs played by churches that use this website, which is the majority of churches, were really all about God. I was like encouraged. I was thinking I was going to go and find the top five songs all about me, 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 me. But really, they were all about God. I kept going and going until I was like 50, 60 songs in, and it was like, God, 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 what he did, what God is. I think it reminded me that's because that's what we were made for. Perhaps, even if there are some songs that are a bit me-centered, God's people hunger and thirst for songs about God. And I want to pray and hope that as we move into a new year, we will lean more into singing about God. Maybe we might even do it loudly. Not as a show, not to impress anybody around you, not fakely, well, I'm supposed to sing loud, so I'm going to sing loud, but out of the overflow of a heart that sees how good God is, specifically sees his salvation. That's the second thing. If we sing, we sing because we see salvation. Do you see that in verses 5, 6, and 7? Come and see, the psalmist says. And then he refers to, before Jesus comes to the earth and delivers God's people on the cross, he refers to the event of salvation, the deliverance out of slavery in Egypt, through the waters on dry ground, up to Mount Sinai where they worship. And that's a pattern actually, come and see, through the waters, up the mountain for worship. In a similar way, the Lord Jesus Christ is the people of God, in his human person. And so if you should come and see the salvation in Israel from deliverance from Egypt, how much more should we take up Philip's call to Nathaniel in John chapter 1 and come and see the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who passed through the waters of baptism. He went up the mountain of Calvary, and he set his people free, not just from one nation, but from every nation and power and force of evil that has ever existed. Oh, come. Come every week. Be conformed to the message of the gospel. Come and see Jesus, our Savior. The way to worship is singing that's a result of seeing. 
And when you see all that God has done for you in Jesus Christ and the power that he has over all the rulers and nations, as verse 7 says, he rules by his might forever. His eyes will watch out over all the nations. So let not anyone exalt themselves. I believe you will sing. Week after week, my prayer is that that will be embassy in 2023. We will sing because we see. Third, sing, see, submit. Submit to the sovereign purposes of God in your trials. Did you hear that in our two scripture readings that were read for you earlier in the service? Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I am your Savior, your Deliverer. That was our first reading. And then Alex came up, and he then put flesh and bones by reading 1 Peter and telling us that that Savior who walks with us through the fire. It is none other than Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, just those two verses. And in this we rejoice because we have been grieved by various trials so that the testing genuineness of our faith would be proved more precious than gold, though tested by fire. And as a result... We will praise and glory and honor the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you see from Psalm 66 to Isaiah 43 to 1 Peter 1? You have a reason to submit to the sovereign purposes of God, even when coming into the next new year, things get difficult. Fire hurts. Overwhelming waters do not sound fun, but they are coming. I guarantee it. 2023 will not just be smooth and sweet for all of you. But will you submit to his sovereignty? And will that lead you to see his salvation on the other end? And then sing and give praise to God. This is what I believe is going on in verses 13, 14, and 15. I mentioned that in verse 14... He says that when I was in trouble, my lips made promises, vows. And I think it'd be important for us as we're thinking about what's the appropriate way to worship. It is not to go to God in the midst of your troubles and in the middle of your trials and say, okay, God, it's really bad right now. But if you get me out of these bad circumstances, I'll go to church more, I'll give more, I'll even serve in the nursery. Then he delivers you out of those trials and be like, all right, there's the deal. I got to pay him back. That's not what this psalmist is talking about when it's referring to vows and offerings. It is not a quid pro quo relationship. It is a relationship that is and always will be based off of grace in God's promises. Therefore, the right way to understand these vows is God. Here I am in the midst of these trials. It's bad. It's really hard. Deliver me out of them, first and foremost, because I can't. And secondly, because I want to praise you for your deliverance. I want to come into your courts and in your temple, and I want you to get the credit for delivering me. If you don't come to God in that posture, you proudly exalt yourself and think you got it, 
God won't get the praise. And more than likely, you won't get the deliverance. Think through that, brothers and sisters, as you head into a new year. I don't know what's waiting around the corner. I don't know what doctor's appointments that you're going to regret or the looming fears of finances or the trouble that you're having in marriage or family or difficulty with your children. I don't know, but here's what we do know. God will listen to your prayers. He will not remove his steadfast love from you. So turn to him in prayer and pray to God, God, deliver me because I want the end result to be your praise. That's what I believe is going on in this text. We submit to his purposes in our trials so that we can then make sacrifices, self-sacrificial sacrifices from our heart to God. Notice the language there in verse 15. I will offer to you a burnt offering of fattened animals with the smoke of its sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. These are all like the top-notch sacrifices the most expensive animals, the most prized possessions, the fattened ones, not the weak, lamed, injured ones, as the Leviticus law would require. They give God their best because God gave them his best. Do you understand that principle, Embassy Church? The reason that we can give self-sacrificial worship in 2023, wholehearted service to Jesus, is because of all that God has done for us. He does, he does not withhold from you. He gives you his very, very best. And as C.T. Studd, the great missionary from England, the former cricketer, like the LeBron James of cricket, that C.T. Studd, stud of a dude, said this after his conversion to Jesus, and he gave up everything to follow Jesus as a missionary instead of being a professional athlete. If Jesus Christ is my God and he died for me, then there is no sacrifice that can be too great for me to make for him. This, my friends, is the key that unlocks true, not fake, but true wholehearted self-sacrificial worship in 2023. The elders have talked a lot over the last couple months about how we hope that this will be a banner year of having more deacons who are none other than servants. That's the word deacon in the Bible. We want servants aplenty through the next year. That's our goal as elders. 2023 be a banner year of more and more servants willing to give up time, money, and energy to serve Embassy Church and the community at large. So brothers and sisters, members of embassy, let's be faithful to our covenant commitments and let's serve one another and serve this church by not, well, if God gets me out of this bind, I'll serve in the nursery. I'll serve in the nursery. I can serve in the nursery. I, I can. You mean he's done that for me? I can? Yeah. Let's lean into that. That would be a whole different way for this church to become enthusiastic and excited about the ministries that are in front of you. So I hope that you do not hear a guilt trip of you better do this or else. But you're just reminded afresh of all that God has done for you individually, for us corporately, and for this world in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The gospel motivates obedience. I'm convinced of it. 
And I believe for the next year, if we commit ourselves to the gospel, it may take time. It may have higher or lower degrees of fruitfulness, but I am convinced that God will, in the appropriate time and way, build this church and make us servants who want to serve. If Christ be God and he died for me, then there will be no sacrifice of any kind that will be too great to make for him. Finally, our psalm teaches us to speak and tell others about his personal answers to your prayers. We sing loudly. We see the salvation of God. We submit ourselves to the sovereign purposes of God. We sacrifice with our whole heart. And when we see God work in our individual lives and answer our prayers, we speak and tell everyone we know about how great our God is. Let me read those last lines again from verses 15 to 20 to just end this sermon with a reminder of how God has done great things in this psalmist's life. And so he will do the same thing for you as you turn to him in prayer. Verse 16, come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. So blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love for me. Did you notice that little line in our last section here? If I cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. This makes sense. Worship is wholehearted, it's self-sacrificial, and it is the exact opposite of cherishing sin. If you and I go through this next year and allow sin to remain in our hearts, we will not turn to the Lord. We will not be mindful of him, and we will not call upon him in prayer, so he won't answer us. Only by repenting of every known sin and setting your hearts fully on what God has done for you in the person of Christ will you see the fruit of this promise. He will answer. He won't remove his steadfast love from you. So Embassy Church, I think we have a great New Year's psalm. I didn't know this back in September when we were planning out the sermon series. But here we are, January 1st, 2023. Let's look back today. Spend a few minutes looking back, seeing what God has done. And then use these five things, these five S's, as a way to recommit yourself to service and worship wholeheartedly. Singing, seeing God's salvation in Christ and his deliverance. Submitting to his sovereign purposes self-sacrificially offering ourselves to the Lord and speaking when he answers our prayers. Would you join me in a word of prayer now? Our Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come again and we give our thanks. We thank you for this psalm and the fitting occasion here on January 1st for us to do some reflecting back on your kindness and your goodness to us individually, corporately, globally. 
on behalf of all of these brothers and sisters and believer or non-believer, I offer up my thanks for us. We thank you, God. You are good. You have been good. You have proven yourself faithful. There has not been a single second that has gone by over the last year where your promises were proven false. God, thank you. Thank you that you have met us here in the preaching of your word week after week, regardless of who was preaching. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. Thank you first and foremost, supremely, for the word that has become flesh in the person of Jesus. The wonderful celebration this last week of Christmas. Thank you for the incarnation of Jesus Christ, who became like us, who took on flesh in order to walk through the waters, the trials, the refining fire, and to live a perfect life, a substitutionary life, the life that we should live but haven't, and giving of himself fully, self-sacrificially, wholeheartedly when he died on the cross. We thank you for Christ, our Savior. And we pray that we would believe with faith that because of his resurrection from the dead, that our foot will not be slipped that our soul will be saved and preserved into the land of the living when we're raised again from the dead like Jesus and seated at the Father's right hand and joined with him forever as Jesus Christ becomes the King of King and Lord of Lord, ruler over all, where every knee bow and every tongue confesses and that all the nations fear him. Oh God, we pray that these truths would sink deep into our hearts as we're reminded of how great you are, how wonderful your deeds, how fearsome your ways. And I pray that we would worship you rightly and appropriately, and we would look to your word, and not just down into ourselves and go with the flow of our feelings, but conform ourselves to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.